Welcome to The Healthy Advisor, a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. I'm Diana Britton, Managing Editor of wealthmanagement.com, and in this podcast, we explore some of the struggles and personal development issues facing advisors and financial services professionals, and how to get to a place of healing for mind, body, and spirit. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Healthy Advisor podcast, and thank you for joining us. As you may know, this the podcast focused on financial advisor health and well-being, and today's guest has been through a lot. Her name is Carrie Carbonaro. She's a senior vice president and director of women and wealth at Advisors Capital Management in Winter Garden, Florida. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So a lot of folks know Carrie. She's a well-known top advisor. Uh, She's a tireless advocate for women in financial services. She's uh, the author of the best-selling wealth management book for women called The Money Queen's Guide for Women Who Want to Build Wealth and Banish Fear. Um, She's been a guest all over television on Fox and Friends, The Today Show, CNN, CNBC, CBS, Fox News, ABC, and NPR, and the list goes on. But today, we're going to go a little bit deeper with Carrie and talk about some of the darkest times of her life and starting with her first marriage. So when Carrie met her first husband, um, when did you meet him, Carrie? What year was that? That was uh, 1999. You know, at that time... Carrie kind of thought she had it all. She had a great upbringing in New York, you know, wonderful New Yorker. Uh, She had a wonderful uh, family and friends and was very successful. She was head of marketing at Lord Abbott Mutual Funds, making 500,000 a year, you know, around the age of 30. And um, her fiance also looked very good on paper. Um, You know, he was also very successful Um, but when she got into this relationship, it turned out to be toxic. So Carrie, take me back to, you know, how did you meet your first husband and take us back to that time? Sure. So, you know, this was back when the internet was kind of uh, just starting and I was, you know, head of electronic marketing and marketing at at Lord Abbott. And I said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to meet a guy online. And so I actually met this guy on Match.com. I was living and working in Manhattan, and he was uh, living and working in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I knew, he was like, flew up to meet me, and he was moving in with me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is like really moving super fast. And, um, but I also was like, okay, well, it's time. I'm like in my 30s, and, you know it's time to couple with this, you know, and this guy looked really good on paper because he was an ex hedge fund manager, a non-practicing attorney, a non-practicing CPA. I thought he was, you know, he was the knight in shining armor. And I thought he would be perfect for me because, uh, you know, I was very into my career. He was very into his career. And as my dad said at the time, we exchanged resumes and got married. Mm. So it was a business transaction, which I didn't really know at the time, but, you know, it's where I was emotionally at that, at that moment in my life. 
And it turned out that, you know, I guess, you know, I never, I had not gone to therapy and I obviously needed to go to therapy. And so I, and I attracted like the exact wrong, I call it, I, I, I always say I married Mr. Wrong. Hmm. So, and that's like the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Um, however, of course it, the, the life's twists and turns get you to where you are. But anyway, that was a nightmare and I didn't know it at the time. And, you know, we got married like really fast because he proposed immediately and we eloped and, you know, I disappointed my father, which is like, is, was like the worst thing that ever happened to me now that I look back on it. Cause my dad, you know, is deceased now. And like, that was the only time I ever disappointed my father. So it was just, just horrible, just horrible experience, you know? And then the next thing I knew, you know, he's making me, he's moving to Florida. I'm in New York city working in with at Lord Abbott. And he's like, well, I'm moving to Florida. You can come if you want. And I'm like, we just got married. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? So I, I, so I say to Lord Abbott, I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to move to Florida. Can I still keep my job? And they were like, no. And I'm like, what? Like, I thought I was still going to get to keep my job. So it was just incredibly horrible because then I said, okay, I just married this guy. If I made a mistake, I'm so embarrassed. I, I have to, I have to, I have to make, I have to try. Right. So I, so then I resign from my job at Lord Abbott. I go down to central Florida, the middle of nowhere. Um, I have no job. I have no car. I have no friends. I, I am like, completely isolated. And that's exactly where he wanted me to be. He wanted me to be completely isolated, you know? And then of course, that's when he started to not be the knight in shining armor. And he, and it turns out, you know, he's a, he's a horrible human being and he's an, you know, abusive man and he's a narcissist and he's just wants to do everything to like reduce me to nothing. And Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of nowhere with no support system, you know, no, no big job, no friends, no family, nothing. And it was just literally the darkest, darkest, darkest days of my life. I don't, I honestly don't know how I made it through. And well, the good news is I did find a therapist when I got down to Florida because I was, it was so difficult for me that luckily I found this therapist who I started to go to right away. And I was, and, and he was like, you know, there's a reason that you, you know, there's something that you have to work out in your life that you married this horrible human being and you're going to have to go through it. And, you know, I didn't even know how bad it was going to be, but it was a lot of very bad years. And at that time is when I started my practice, which is the, the ironic part of this whole thing is that, you know, I was pretending to be, uh, during the day I was like, you know, a financial planner. And then every other part of my life, I was in this horribly abused, you know, abusive marriage. And I was just, the only way I got to escape the abusive marriage was to be a financial planner. And I, it was the only thing he would let me do because I could, I was bringing in money and he was like, okay, you can do that. But of course he wanted the money, but that's another story. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, so did he physically abuse you? So he um, would, so he's very, very careful because he did not want to have anything that actual marks. Mm. So one time um, I had a handprint on my arm and my girlfriend, who's an attorney, family law attorney, still one of my very dear friends saw that. And she goes, is that a handprint on your arm? 
And I said, oh, no, 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 no. But it was, and eventually she was going to testify in my divorce that she saw the handprint on my arm. But um, things like choking me, things that could not like physically, like where I could had to go to the hospital. So he did a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of mental abuse. So, you know, I remember at this moment in my life, I was incredibly thin. Like I was a size zero. Like you just can't get any thinner than that. Like it's just literally impossible. And I don't, I'm like a, like a very average, like I would say maybe, maybe larger boned person. So mm-hmm. for me to be a size zero is Bad. really heard yeah. of. Like, and so I remember him saying to me as a size zero, I can't wait for you to get lean. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I literally have to cut a leg off to get, or an arm off to get thinner. Like it's literally physically impossible. I was freezing all the time. My hair was falling out. My nails wouldn't grow. I mean, I was, I was like malnutritious, really. I mean, which is so funny because I'm Italian and like food is love. So I was like denying myself, even the one thing that I loved in my life. I had, so I had no love. I had no, I had like horrible abuse and I had no food. So, I mean, it was like, I was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. I mean, it was really, really a nightmare. Yeah. um, I mean, just to, you know, throw some statistics out there from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner, Um, you know, includes a a range of behaviors like slapping, shoving, pushing. Oh, uh, all the the slapping, shoving, pushing was, that was normal. That actually mm. was normal. So I, so I didn't even consider that physical abuse because it what didn't leave any marks. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, you probably wouldn't think of it as domestic violence yourself, but, but it is, um, it was, and you know, one in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. And then, you know, obviously there's other statistics about, you know, sexual abuse, but, um, how did you kind of compartmentalize what you were going through at home and what you were going, what your work life was like. It it was hard. It was hard because, um, you know, every day I would wake up and I was literally, he would start with the, you know, the berating insults from the, from the moment I woke up. So I would literally close my ears. I would put my hands over my ears. I would close my eyes and I would say, I'm not going to let him steal my spirit. I'm not going to let him steal my spirit. I'm not going to let him steal my spirit. And that was like my mantra, like every single day, because every day, can I curse on this podcast? Sure. <laughs> okay. So what he, what he would say to me every single day is, you know, you are a fat, ugly, lazy, dumb cunt bitch. Oh my gosh. Every single day. And I would be like, okay, well, I can't get any thinner because I'm a size zero. So, okay. I'm fat. According to him. Um, ugly and lazy. And I'm like, okay, I'm already working seven days a week. Maybe I need to work more. Like, how can I possibly work more? Should I sleep less? Mm. Like, because you start to like believe some of the stuff. So it's very hard to block out the noise when, when your spouse is telling you that you're all these horrible things, you do start to believe it after time. So you had to go through like with my therapist, I had to go through like a reprogramming because I was never I was always an incredibly confident person with, I did everything I ever wanted to do in my life. Like I never, 
I never, you know, I was president of my sorority. I was captain of the cheerleading team. I was, you know, most popular in, 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 in high school and college and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I never really had an issue of not feeling worthy. And until this experience, you know, and also I wasn't, you know, he isolated me from my friends. So, you know, the only one I was allowed to, to hang out with was his sister, you know, and that was it. So I had one friend, which is, you know, if you know me, that's kind of insane because I have like a million friends. I'm friends with like everybody that I've ever been friends with in my life, you know? And so, but that moment in my life, I was cut off from everybody that those, that, that time frame. Yeah. Did his sister ever catch on to what was going on or did she go? So she would always say to me, well, first of all, that she was my only bright spot because like we used to go away together. We used to do things together. And she used to be like, I don't know how you're married to my brother. And, and I'd be like, well, I am, and I'm stuck and I can't get Mm -hmm. out. So like, but we never really talked about it. We never talked about the abuse. She just knew he was a horrible human being too. But then when the divorce actually happened back later on in time, she took his side and I lost her too, Mm. which was sad because she was my only friend for all Mm. all that time. Gosh. Um, I mean, what finally got you to the point where you said, I got to get out of this relationship. I'm going to take steps to divorce him. So I was, well, first of all, I would have done it so much sooner, except I was literally petrified. I, I mean, I was literally scared to death. And I had every reason to be scared to death because of the threats that he made to me. And, you know, the couple, couple of things he said to me was, um, you're going to go to jail for tax evasion because you don't know what I've done with the taxes and you're a famous financial planner. So nobody's going to believe that you are the innocent spouse. And the truth was, I had no idea what he was doing with the tax return because he would never let me see it. I would always say, what do we owe? And he would say nothing. And he would never let me see it. He would never let me see the tax return and he would put it under lock and key. And I never had access to the key. Mm. Like this is legit. And then he would say, he would also threaten, I'm going to Baker Act you, which is a Florida thing, which means that if somebody says that you're a danger to yourself, you have to be locked up for 72 hours to be under observation And he said, no one's going to believe you over me. I'm a professional. You're nothing. I'm going to Baker at you. And then you'll never, nobody will ever hire you again. So that was the, that was the other threat. And then the third threat was, if you ever get attorneys involved, I'm going to have you commit suicide. I'm going to do everything in my power to have you commit suicide. Yeah. So, I mean, I had real threats. I mean, this was, this was not made up. This was not perceived. This was real. And so I was just hoping he was going to die and I was going to be a widow. And then finally, I, I don't even know what happened. I think I, mean, I was going to therapy for all the years that we were together. And then finally, the therapist is like, you know, it's time, Carrie. And I'm like, OK. And then I, I said, I said, you know, I'm really scared. And I it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. So it's so funny that I kept waiting and prolonging it and it was still just as bad. So I don't, it didn't make it any difference. I, I could have done it earlier. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't ready, but it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. It took four years and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, we had no children together. Thank God that was the best thing I ever did in my life. And yeah. And I got out. 
Mm, gosh. I mean, it, something like that, you know, the physical and verbal mental abuse that you, psychological abuse that you went yeah. through, that that would really take a toll on a person's mental health. And, and yes. you know, for a lot of folks would lead to, you know, suicidal thoughts and depression. Yeah. And um, how did you not get to that place? I mean, I don't, well, I don't know. I, I guess, well, first of all, I, there was times that I was there. Um, hmm. there was times that I was there for sure. Like sure. where I didn't, I saw no hope. I saw no ending. I, I never thought I could get out. You know, I thought I was going to be under his thumb forever, exactly where he wanted me to be. And, um, yeah, I, there was, there was, there was a lot of really, really dark days back then. Um, but I guess I'm stronger than I thought I was. And also therapy helped a lot. Yeah. And once I, once I decided to start the divorce, then I came right back into with my family and I was in the arms of my family and friends and I, I got re um, you know, enveloped with all of them. And they, and, and I also met my, 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 my final husband. <laughs> I don't know what to call him. <laughs> my current husband, my final husband. Um, mm -hmm. I met him also during that, during that time frame. you know, 2009 when the, when the divorce started and, you know, took, four years to actually, oh, two, sorry, 2008, when the divorce started, it didn't finish till 2011. But, um, but anyway, so I had a lot of, I had a very, 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 very strong support system to get, to get me out and get me on the other side. But there, there was a lot of times where I didn't know if I was going to make it, you know, and I also even had a number two, who's been with me this whole entire time, who's always worked with me. And he's been with me through, he was through, through, you know, he kept the business going during that time frame when I was going through that divorce, which I didn't know, like there was some days I'm like, there's no way I can work. I can't even get out. I can't move. I can't get out of bed. Um, you know, it was really, really incredibly dark. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you wrote the book after the divorce and, you know, talked a lot about the abuse that you went through and how, you know, even we kind of, you look out at these successful women in the industry and, you know, you think that everything is great for them um, at home or, you know, they have the, these great lives. But um, I mean, even, you know, super successful, strong women, you know, become victimized by this kind of thing. Right. And so I think that's something you talked about in the, in the book, right? Yes. It's, it's so my point, it's so funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's the truth, but women, even powerful, successful women, are actually magnets for uh, men like my ex-husband, because mm -hmm. if they could get somebody like, of course, because I, I always used to say to him, why didn't you just get a mail order bride? Because that you mm -hmm. want somebody to be under your thumb who you can control and not, you know, not have any thoughts or not, not have any brain. And he's like, well, what, what, what challenge would that be? Mm -hmm. So somebody like myself is a magnet for somebody like that. Don't worry, it's never happening to me again because I've learned that lesson in this life, paid that price, although something else happened, but that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. But but yeah, I mean, it's, so my point of this whole thing is here I am, smart, educated, successful, wealthy, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Somebody who people would say, oh my God, she's got her shit together. And, yeah. and I was, and I was a victim of, of, of abuse. So if it could happen to me, it can happen to anyone. That mm -hmm. is my point. That is my point. Yeah. 
And so I know that, um, you know, after you went through the divorce, you know, you saw even more success in your career. Uh, you joined United Capital, um, which was a, a firm run by Joe Duran. You tripled in size. Uh, like you said, you met your um, current husband. You wrote the book and and you sort of became a fixture in the media. Um, but that all kind of came crashing down when Goldman Sachs acquired United Capital in 2019. Um, so take us back to that dark time in your life and what happened after the acquisition. Yeah, so um, it was so incredibly horrible for me um, because everything that I stood for, everything I believe in, everything I work for was gone and, and, and taken away. And, but the worst part of this experience was I didn't choose this. I did not, you know, I mean, I chose to marry my horrible ex-husband. I did not choose to go to Goldman Sachs. It was, it was, it was forced upon me, so to speak, or I was sold like chattel and there was nothing I could do. And it was such a visceral response for me because it took me back to when I was married to my ex-husband. There were so many parallels and similarities that I was couldn't literally could not believe what was happening to me at the, at the time. And so here I was on top of the world in 20, you know, 2019, I was listed ranked as number four in the country by Investopedia. And I was exactly where I wanted to be. I was head of women's leadership at United Capital. I was doing everything I wanted to do. Everything was fantastic. My career was amazing. My life was amazing. My clients were amazing. Everything was great. And then Goldman happened. And my arms were cut off. My legs were cut off. There was a gag put around my mouth. And I was told, you know, sit in the corner shut and shut up. Mm. And I could not even believe that this was happening to me at this point of my life and in my career. Like I literally could not believe it. And I, and I thought, you know, with Goldman, you know, being not great with women and having a terrible reputation with a class action lawsuit going on for years against them or women with women and, and Goldman that, oh, maybe they could use me. They could use my my voice of what I, what I stand for and what I believe in. And mm, that never happened. Mm -hmm. It was actually the complete opposite, the absolute complete opposite. Yeah. So when you say that they basically told you to to sit down and shut up, uh, do you yes. mean just not talking to the media or not writing any more books? What all of the above? I was yeah. I was told from the minute we got there, literally day one, and I and I and I I honestly could not believe it was happening. But from the minute I walked in the door, they said you can never write again. You can never go on social media again. You can never have an opinion again. You can't go on TV anymore. You can't speak anymore. You can't say that you wrote a book. Nothing. Nothing. And then they actually tried to get you to leave, right? Yes. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Because I was so unhappy and I just, I could not get out of my contract because I had an ironclad contract because they locked us all up when we came over. And, you know, I paid a lot of money to an attorney to try to get me out of the contract unsuccessfully. Um, And then I even tried to buy my business back Um, like a dozen guys before me and one guy after me. All the guys got to buy their businesses back 
and I am, and I had negotiated and I was buying my business back and we agreed upon a price and we were moving forward and I was waiting for a contract and they reneged on me at the last minute. They said, Nope, we're, we're not doing this. We're not letting you buy your business back. So I was the only person and only woman they said no to. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually called them out on it. And I said, I know all the guys who did it before me. And I know the one guy who did it after me. Why was I the only one? Mm. And, then, and then so I put them on notice that I knew that they knew that they discriminated against me. And anyway, so because of that, they left me alone when I finally left. And I had to quit and run out my non-compete to get out of the contract. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you eventually got out of there. I know that I think you just started uh, back to work last December. Correct. Um, so it's been about um, seven months where you're now able to get out there and, and share your story and and talk and educate folks. How have all these experiences that you've gone through, you know, shaped who you are today and the work that you're doing today? So I feel like every single experience, nobody has a straight line up. Um, and if you do, uh, I don't even know how that's possible, but okay, if you do, I, or maybe it just, you know, life hasn't happened yet, but I feel like it's the experiences that knock you down and that, you know, you're where you're in the dark, that that you can come out of that and shine the light on them. And that's how you, that's how you grow. And that's how you're able to help the world. So, you know, if you can share your story and share your experiences and, with the world. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing anyway. So I'm supposed to be here to help women in this, in this world, in every shape, form, what that, whatever that looks like. And I feel like my experience with an abusive ex-husband helps me walk the walk and talk the talk and an abusive ex-employer walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm. Yeah. And I know that you're you're working on the second book, right? Yeah. And what is that? Um, I mean, looking forward to to seeing that. We'll look out for that. What is it going to be about? So it's very it's similar to my first because it's it's for women and it's about women and money and wealth and just I don't have a title yet. I I think I have a title. It might be Purses to Portfolios: A Woman's Guide to Wealth. But the book is actually finished. I just don't have the title yet. So, but one of the it's it's got a little bit of everything in there. It talks about my experiences, my experience with Goldman, um, the industry, what the industry's like for women, um, and then my experiences helping clients with women clients and all of that, and then things to make things more inclusive with mentor mentorship and and networking and just I'm trying to I'm trying to make solutions out of this, which by the way. I don't have all the answers because nobody has all the answers. Because if we did, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in right now with, you know, only 20% of women in the industry. And, you know, women are going to eventually control two thirds of the nation's wealth by 2030. You know, we're not there yet, but when we do, nobody's really ready for that because the industry is still built for men, built by men for men. So, you know, it's not female friendly. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of female friendly. You know, women don't like our industry. They don't want to talk about it. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about building wealth. It's just like a taboo thing for women. And I really would like to change that because I want women to have freedom and power to be able to make their own decisions, 
to not have to be in abusive relationships, to, you know, be able to stand on their own and support themselves and, you know, not have to compromise anything in their lives because they don't have money. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, do you have any advice for other women who might be in an abusive relationship? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Get out. (laughs) And I know, yeah, I know that's easier said than done. Uh, because I, it took me, it took me a longer time than I would like to admit. And it's interesting because when people say to me, like, oh, why didn't you leave sooner? And I'm like, that's the one thing that really hurts because I left as soon as I possibly could. It just took me way longer than I would have liked it to. So I know that that is an easier said than done because you're scared. And, and the crazy thing is when I even hired my attorneys back in the day and they were like, why are you still in the same house with him? And I'm like, I don't know. And they, and they said, you're a woman of means. Get the hell out. Go, go to a hotel. Just get out of there. And I'm like, oh, but my stuff's there. And my, and my client information's there. And like, I was like, totally like dumbfounded. And they were like, no, no, no. You just get out and go. And I'm like, okay. But like, I felt like I couldn't even go. And I could have. Yeah, so I, mean- I know it's a lot easier said than done obviously you need therapy and help and support. And, you know, I, I do believe in all of those, you know, and help all those women's women's organizations that, you know, provide, you know, domestic violence, abuse, um, and shelters. And, and it's interesting because I'm always trying to donate to them and they're harder to find because, you know, they don't give you the addresses and, you know, they're harder to donate to because you have to like go through like this weird, um, underground network to try to find them but I'm always trying to find stuff to give. And obviously that's a big part of what I believe in. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's easier for folks to say, why aren't, why don't you just get out? Because they're not in your situation. They're not there in the house with him and don't know what you're going through. Right. And I didn't even, I didn't even have, I didn't even have, you know, children and, you know, if children obviously adds a layer of complexity that makes it even harder. You know, what if, what if you can't leave? Well, what if you don't have a place to go? What, if, you know, there's, I mean, there's a million reasons why people stay in, in the terrible situations. However, money does buy you freedom when it comes to anything like that. Um, all, you know, money just gives you the freedom and the choices to do what you want to do and to make the choices that you want that are better for you and your family and yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm afraid we're just about out of time but I'd like to thank my guest, Carrie Carbonaro, for being on the podcast and uh, just opening up so much, Carrie, with us. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I hope I hope somebody, this reaches out to somebody and they're, they're uh, positively impacted by it. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff and kind of open up a lot of the old wounds, um, but I think... Um, it was. It will be helpful for folks out there. Um, if you'd like to reach out to Carrie, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with her, you can find her on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter as well. Um, she's uh, very easy to find. And if you have a struggle yourself and you wish to share your experiences and help others in similar situations, please feel free to reach out to me at diana.britton at informa.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to The Healthy Advisor. If you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. 
This is Diana Britton reminding you that where there's healing, there is hope. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Advisor, a podcast focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your particular situation.